Elites in the front line spark chaos in the Kiev junta. Even as their proxies are collapsing at the front and behind the lines, the USA and its EU allies are pressing on with their plans to carve up Russia. With Solodar fallen, Bakhmut surrounded, and the liberation of the Donbass proceeding apace, the imperialist disaster on the military front in Ukraine is now translating into an extraordinary descent into faction fighting on the political front. Attempts by CIA chief William Burns to bang heads together in Kiev and concentrate minds on implementing the imperialist agenda are only serving to expose the real nature of the proxy war against Russia, a war which NATO cannot win. And the more vigorously the puppet master tugs on the strings, the more visible those strings become. Even by Ukrainian standards, the speed, scale and depth of the domestic purge underway at the highest levels of the Kiev power structure are breathtaking. The Guardian recently reported, quote, 15 senior officials have left their posts since Saturday, six of whom have had corruption allegations levelled at them by journalists and Ukraine's anti-corruption authorities. The wave of changes started on Saturday, when Ukraine's Deputy Minister of Infrastructure, Vasil Luzinski, was detained by anti-corruption investigators and dismissed from his post. He was accused by prosecutors of inflating the price of winter equipment, including generators, and allegedly siphoning off $400,000. Investigators also found $38,000 in cash in his office. End quote. The article went on to name other very senior officials who have been dismissed or resigned in corruption scandals. They included Kirillo Timoshenko, Deputy Head of Ukraine's Presidential Administration, Pavlo Haliman, Deputy Head of Zelensky's Governing Party, and Alexei Simonenko, Deputy Prosecutor General. This is from Zelensky ramps up anti-corruption drive as 15 Ukrainian officials exit by Isabel Kashiv, The Guardian, 24th of January 2023. Most intriguing of all of the cases listed by The Guardian, though, is that of the Deputy Minister of Defence, Vyacheslav Shapovalov. Whilst The Guardian is content to row in with the official line that this is simply a belated effort by pre puppet President Volodymyr Zelensky to deliver on his campaign promise of zero tolerance towards corruption, as you do in the middle of a full-scale war, it soon becomes apparent that the charges and countercharges of corruption in high office are being weaponized in the playing out of a complex power struggle, a high-stakes game with no line drawn, even at assassination and murder. In his role as Deputy Minister of Defense in charge of logistics, Vyacheslav Shapovalov had oversight over army food supplies. Amid allegations of price gouging, with food prices to the soldiers more expensive than food prices in the supermarket, he resigned his post, saying he was innocent but wanted to avoid destabilizing the army. Not content with this, anti-corruption campaigners criticized the defense minister himself, Alexei Reznikov, for not sacking his deputy in the first place, to which the defense minister retaliated by claiming that the price-gouging allegations were an information attack on the ministry and ordered Ukraine's security services to investigate who leaked the contracts. The Defence Ministry, thus under attack on the logistics wing, is also under threat in its military intelligence wing, headed by Kirillo Budinov. 
This is the point at which mudslinging about price gouging and ministerial freebies suddenly lurches into a much scarier place, a place where accusations of greed give way to accusations of assassination and treachery. And at the bottom of it all is the rising panic of the Kiev junta as the harsh reality of military defeat sinks in, with the knives coming out as every faction blames every other faction for the disastrous failure of the fascist junta and its imperialist backers. Bogdanov not only directly accused the Interior Ministry's SBU goons of killing one of his most important agents, but also revealed that the agent in question was directly involved in peace talks with Russia. In a remarkably candid interview on Radio Free Europe, Budanov claimed that the SBU killed Denis Kiryeyev, a Ukrainian banker who served as a crucial diplomatic conduit and negotiator in the period preceding Russia's special military operation. Quote, Budanov confirmed that Kiryeyev had participated in high-level talks with Russian officials held in Belarus just four days after the invasion, and he said that the day before his death, Kiryeyev was slated to travel again to Belarus for more talks at Budanov's directive. What was the purpose? I sent him there. And the first time and second time he had to get on the train right after he was supposed to visit the SBU, Budanov said. The main task we set for him was to prolong the negotiating process in order to buy time. Because Mr. Kiryeyev personally knew two people from the negotiation process who represented the Russian side. End quote. This is from Ukraine's SBU responsible for killing of banker who was conduit for Russian intelligence, says Intel Chief, by Vlasta Lazur, Radio Free Europe, 20th of January, 2023. With civil war breaking out on the home front, reflecting the defeats on the front line, it seems that US imperialism is getting twitchy, feeling the need to reinforce its control of the situation. Vladimir Rogov, chair of the civil society group We Are Together With Russia, told the TASS news agency that the recent visit paid to Kiev by CIA chief William Burns was to make sure that the right people got parachuted into Ukrainian government agencies. Rogov suggested that one of the goals was to make sure that Artyom Sitnik got the position of director at the Ukrainian National Anti-Corruption Bureau. Quote, the next few days will show whether he will give the Americans the position they want. Burns came with concrete demands. Appoint Atyom Sitnik as director of the NACB, reshuffle staff of the Security Service of Ukraine, the Interior Ministry, and lots of other agencies where Americans should gain a stronger foothold. End quote. Rogov linked Burns' visit to the statement by Kirillo Budanov, accusing top staff of the Security Service, also known as SBU, of assassinating the directorate's employee, Denis Kiryeyev. Quote, that the standoff between intelligence directorate and the security service, to be more exact between the intelligence directorate and Zelensky's people, spilled over into the public domain is related precisely to that. Budanov is a person that's fully integrated into the Anglo-Saxon military community, starting from his education and ending with how he handles the missions and he's one of the most efficient ones. End quote. From Politicians says CIA chief went to Kiev to seek certain appointments at Ukraine's agencies. From TASS, 24th of January, 2023.
This characterization of Budanov might explain why Radio Free Europe gave him such a generous opportunity to publicly denounce the SBU's crimes. Could it be that the SBU, widely believed to have been responsible for shutting down many of Zelensky's political enemies, is now becoming an embarrassment in Washington's eyes? Make of all this what you will. What is clear is that the dawning awareness that the Ukro-Nazis are facing humiliating defeat on the military front, no matter how hard European governments are ransacking their dwindling arsenals, is now cruelly exposing all the fault lines opening up under the feet of the Kiev junta. And if the idea of sending CIA chief William Burns into the bear pit was supposed to be to pour oil on these internecine conflicts, to sort out the good guys from the bad guys, and again to impose America's own choices for leadership slots, there is no sign of this bearing fruit. 2023 is not 2014, and, with morale at rock bottom and the humiliation of military defeat taking its toll, it will be hard to put Humpty together again. US imperialism set out to use Ukraine as a battering ram against Russia, hoping to turn Russians against their chosen leadership and then break Russia into a number of weak and divided statelets under US hegemony. Instead, the Russian people have united behind the Putin-led anti-fascist resistance. The Ukrainian battering ram is disintegrating under the hammer blows of the Russian army, and it is Ukraine that is falling apart, not Russia. Now that things are going so badly for the collective West, the pretense that the West's anti-Russian campaign was all about defending democratic Ukraine from autocratic Russia is getting harder to sustain. Somebody failed to stuff a sock in the mouth of the former Polish foreign minister Anna Fotyga before she could blab out the true aim of NATO aggression against Russia. Fotyga, a member of the European Parliament, made no bones about plans for breaking Russia up into a patchwork quilt of ethnic states, plans which she has sought to justify by a grotesque back-to-front parody of the Marxist-Leninist analysis of the right of nations to self-determination. Bragging about what we, that is the collective West, should do with Russia after its eagerly anticipated defeat and subjugation, Fortiga elaborated on her deluded fantasy about how we should fix things up in the post-Russian space. Quote, Taking into account the national and ethnic map of the territories of the Russian Federation, we should discuss the prospects for the creation of free and independent states in the post-Russian space, as well as prospects for their stability and prosperity, end quote. And just in case any troublesome people should actually prefer life in an independent modern industrial country to an ethnically pure parochial backwater existence, a constant prey to imperialist bullying, Fortiga, the great liberator, made it clear that the international community would feel duty-bound to push on with this balkanizing project regardless. Quote, the international community has the obligation to support the rights of indigenous nations that, due to Russian conquest and colonization, now exist also within the borders of the Russian Federation. We cannot only focus on the preservation of some indigenous people and not others. The same rights must belong to Kakas, Tuvans, Saka or Evenks. Fotiga sidestepped international law regarding the sovereignty of nations by the simple expedient of denying that Russia is a nation at all, describing it instead as a terrorist organisation that should be dismantled. She had some severe words for any in the international community 
who might be nursing misgivings about the rectitude of trampling over the rights of a sovereign country. The, quote, international community, end quote, she lectured, cannot take a comfortable position on the sidelines, waiting for developments, but must undertake a brave initiative that supports re-federalization of the Russian state, taking into account the history of Russian imperialism and the respect for the rights and desires of its nations. The victim of Russian imperialism should be able to rebuild their own statehoods, exercise their right to celebrate their heritage, and determine their own future, end quote. After all the high-flown rhetoric about self-determination, indigenous rights, pure ethnic states, and the duty of the international community to save the world from Russian aggression, we finally get to the real point of the whole self-serving rigmarole. Quote, There are no such things as Russian gas, oil, aluminium, coal, uranium, diamonds, grain, forests, gold, etc., all such resources are Tatar, Bashkir, Siberian, Karelian, Oirat, Caucasian, Buryat, Saka, Ural, Cuban, Nogai, etc. No Russians? End quote. From the dissolution of the Russian Federation is far less dangerous than leaving it ruled by criminals. By Anna Fotida, Euractiv, 27th of January, 2023. This is no more to say than all the vast natural resources currently enjoyed by Russia would instead be opened up for plunder by monopoly capitalism, depressing the living standards of the whole population and buying another brief respite from imperialism's crisis of overproduction. One mineral resource Fatida failed to include in her shopping list was highlighted in a recent issue of Newsweek, Titanium. Quote, now there is a nascent effort underway in the USA and allied nations to identify, develop and utilize Ukraine's vast resources of a key metal crucial for the development of the West's most advanced military technology, which will form the backbone of future deterrence against Russia and China. Titanium is a lightweight yet strong metal used exclusively in advanced military applications like fighter jets, helicopters, ships, tanks, missiles, and many others. China produced more than 231,000 tonnes of titanium sponge last year, according to the US Geological Survey, making up 57% of global output. Next came Japan with 17%, and Russia with 13%. Kazakhstan produced almost 18,000 tonnes, and Ukraine more than 4,000 tonnes. The USA relies on foreign imports of titanium as it has none stockpiled and has ceased to produce titanium sponge since 2020. As one anonymous congressional staffer delicately put it, quote, As there are increasing debates throughout the West about why it's in our interests to keep supporting Ukraine, I think this is one of the arguments that you're going to start hearing more. End quote. From The Battle for Ukraine's Titanium by David Brennan, Newsweek, 28th of January, 2023. Fatida's crass supermarket dash, in her sick imagination already grabbing Russia's immense natural wealth, has just one drawback. Imperialism has first to get past the Russian government and people, and all other anti-imperialist forces gathering behind the common struggle. As she graciously conceded, quote, we should be aware that the dissolution of the Russian Federation might bring certain difficulties and risks, as with any transition period. End quote. 
You can say that again. Thanks for listening to Proletarian Radio. We aim to bring you the best Marxist analysis on current affairs, revolutionary history, and theory. Do like, comment, subscribe, and share our content to help us reach the widest possible audience. We are a small organization with limited resources, and we need workers' support if we are to grow and fulfill our mission. If you are able to make a one-off or regular donation, no matter how small, please visit our website at thecommunists.org and register as a supporter.